the Struggling Well podcast is a conversation between Jimmy and Susie Callum. Jimmy and Susie are co-founders of the ministry Tandem Spirituality, whose purpose is to support the church through cultivating healthy relationships in order to impact the kingdom of God. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 11. I can hardly believe that we've been talking for 11 episodes, but I could like talk for a million. How about you? Um, probably not quite as many as Half you. Half a mil? No, maybe. Half a mil. Maybe 11 more. I don't know. 11 more. Well, there's so much to talk about. Um, this is something that Jimmy and I have been doing for decades where um, after he would come home from work, we would sit and just talk. And we started out with 10 minutes of talking while the kids were outside of our bedroom door screaming and you know claiming they were bleeding and dying and Then it moved to 30 minutes when they were teenagers, and now we have the leisure of talking as long as we want. I try to talk through uh, the question of what's for dinner because I would rather have all my teeth taken out without Novocaine than to think about what's for dinner. I'm just saying. How do you really feel about that? Oh, my gosh. If, if, if somebody's out there that would like to cook for me, I mean, the pay is zero. Oh, my. You, you do? Uh, never mind. You do a great job cooking. I know, but I'm not enjoying it anymore. I'm not. All right. Let's get on to what we want to talk about today. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. One of the things that has been on my mind um, came to me through a conversation with a, a young friend. Um, uh, This is a young woman who has experienced a lot of loss and sorrow in her life. But um, she had, she and I were texting back and forth, and she asked me the question, how was I? And like we've spoken before on some of these episodes, I wanted to just say fine. But this young girl is very um, intuitive, and she just doesn't stop if you say I'm fine. She always goes to the next question, which I love about her. And I'm learning as well to keep asking the second question. Anyway, she said a couple of things that were really profound to me. One thing was, um, you can run, but you can't hide. And she was referring to herself. But as our text chain went further, um, what she was really talking about was, you can run from God. You can try to run from God, but you can't hide from him because he's everywhere. He knows your thoughts before you think them. Um, And so... What stirred in me was, what in the world am I doing? How do I think that I can run and hide mostly from God? And she went on then to, um, she said to me, I want you to lean into God in a way that um, let him hold you or hug you, giving a, a, a real human characteristic to the Godhead of just holding me in the place where I was struggling. And she said, it's like when... When you're in a in a situation with somebody and they go to hug you and you really don't want that hug, but they keep hugging and don't let go. You know, my rule is 20 seconds. You hug me past 20 seconds and, and I might give you a knee or an elbow. I don't know. But she was talking about how when you're in that hug and you feel like you want to pull away, but the other person will not let go, that at some point you have to just surrender and and go limp and and fall into that hug. And for me, it became, how does that translate into my relationship with the Lord? And it's easy to think I can run, but there are times when being that vulnerable in front of him, it's crazy because I know he knows my thoughts and he knows everything about me, but it's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So as we text back and forth, 
the last thing she said to me was, go limp. Yeah. And it, and it really is an interesting dilemma that you see laid out in places in Scripture, too, where, where life situations um, have gotten so complicated, have gotten so difficult that, that people are seen running. Um, in, in Genesis, when and Sarah and Hagar and the whole, the whole issue of having a, a son and, and all the complications that come with Hagar becoming pregnant and, and then Sarah being upset about that and Hagar runs out into the desert because um, life just had gotten too much. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in the desert that God meets her through an angel who comes to her. But then she calls on the name of the Lord and, and, he's, and she says, you are a God of seeing. And it's the only time that that name is used for God in Scripture, the God who sees. And, and, and it hits to the core of what we really want is we want to be seen. Mm-hmm. You and I talk about this a lot, that, that people want to be seen. And we've used this illustration when we've been with, with pastors and their wives of saying, we see you and then we hear you. And yet when in, in those moments when life is out of control, and it certainly was for Hagar, and she runs, uh, I think of Elijah running out after the victory at Mount Carmel, but because because his life is now threatened, he runs into the desert and wants to die. And, and yet there's this internal longing to be seen. Um, and and I, I love that, that she says, you're the God who sees. Yeah. Um, and yet we resist that. That's the, that's the, that's the um, complexity of it all. As much as we long to be seen by people, and, and more importantly, we long to be seen by God, we also resist it at times and want to run. And, uh, you know, why? Why with God? It, it, it confuses me because I know him better than that. And yet there are times when, when I just want to hide. I think that, you know, David and his sin with Bathsheba, he, he was just, he wanted to hide. And he tried to cover up everything that he had done, thinking that God was unaware and and he knew God better than that. Yeah, but I also think that we get to that place, and we may not verbalize it often, um, where we somehow don't think we're worthy of God seeing us, of, yeah. of being in our lives. And and to me, it's it goes back to a, a poor understanding of grace that He has He has forgiven, and yet I think we have um, the, the sense that we're not worthy of it. Well, we're not worthy of it. But but he has made us worthy through his son, and he is still the God who's in control. What what although there was the tension that um, between Sarah and Hagar, and that tension didn't end in their lifetime. God was telling a story that was much bigger than that, mm-hmm. and and he sees it all, and he embraced her in the wilderness. Um, and I think sometimes we just, we get to that place where we don't think we're worthy. You know, in my mind, uh, it just came to me about um, Jesus' last days and how he was seen as one thing. You know, they thought he was a traitor and he was blaspheming against God. But you think about him, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but you think of, about him hanging on the cross and he, he was barely clothed and he was People were spitting on him and poking at him and screaming epitaphs at him. He was the most vulnerable that a human being could get. And he did that for us to pay for our sin, to atone for our sin. And 
If I can't grasp what he did and the vulnerability that he experienced there, then I, I probably will not want to go to him with my vulnerability. But he, I mean, it just blows me away that he was in such a state of people seeing him mm-hmm. in, in, at the very worst moment, humanly speaking. He allowed people to see him in that way when he could have called, you know, that song, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have changed that whole scenario, that whole ending. But even seeing him that way should be to me an encouragement that there's nothing that he can't see about me. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think I think the other thing that's to me, and as you recall that scene, um, you know, at one point he utters, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. But then he also says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Yeah. And so there was a sense in which he sees the Father as one who sees him in his distress. Um, and ultimately he puts his faith and his trust into the hands of the Father, um, even though he was in absolute agony as he, as he hung on that cross, not just physical agony, agony, but the spiritual agony that he took on the sins of the world when he, when he hung on that cross. And um, it's that complicated place I think we get to where um, we, we want to be seen by God. We know he does see us, and yet at times we, we, we fight against it. And so back to your conversation, Susie, with your friend where, where she said that you go limp, it was to stay in the embrace of God, mm. um, to, to, to let, him, let him be the one that you ultimately trust, that all of us ultimately trust, even though there are times when we don't want to be seen by him. Uh, makes me think of the book of Hosea, with Hosea and Gomer, um, that whole story of God telling him to keep going after her and after her. And and that's what he does with us is he keeps coming after me and after me. And, and you know, honestly, there are times when I just want to say, just stop. I, I can't take all this love. I can't take this grace. I don't deserve it. I'd rather you just leave me alone to rot in my own misery. But he will never stop. He's he's relentless. He is relentless. And, and he, he I don't deserve it. That's the odd part about it. I'm not. I'm not worthy of it. I didn't do anything to deserve His love. He poured out His love um, through His Son Jesus, and that's how He sees me. That's how He sees you. Um, in in a sense that He 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 will embrace us if we can use that kind of picture. He He will embrace us because of what Christ did for us and on our behalf. And His love um, is this never-ending love, this covenantal love, and it's that odd place that we find ourselves in, I think, of wanting to be seen mm-hmm. and yet at times wanting to run from that because um, we, we wonder, is he going to, can I out, can, is he going to break that embrace, yeah. um, which he never will. I just want to close us with yeah. passage from Ephesians because I think um, this is good to know. Paul says to the Ephesians, um, I've heard of your faith, and I, I love you, and I pray for you. But he says, um, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, 
What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places? And then it says in verse 22, And he put all things under his feet and gave him all head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's concentrate for today on what God did, what he says he is, him sending his son, him sending us his spirit to fill us. And maybe today our prayer should be like Jesus, into your spirit, into your hands I commit my spirit. Good words. Thanks for joining us. To learn more about the Struggling Well podcast, visit tandemspirituality.com.